Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is Jack C. Newell, and we're talking about his brand new film, Monuments, which was absolutely, uh, I love this movie. It was adorable. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I have to tell you, I really, really did. Uh, so I'm really ex- looking forward to discussing this movie with you. So welcome to the show. Well, I really appreciate that. I'm very happy to be here and happy to talk with you about it. Yeah. Great, great. So our audience knows, uh, tell them a a little bit of a synopsis of what Monuments is all about. Okay, fade in and the first... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the movie is about a guy named Ted Daniels, whose wife, uh, and Ted is played by David Sullivan, and his wife, played by Marguerite Moreau, um, sort of starts off and they are in the process of getting their marriage back on track uh, when she dies suddenly. And he gets it in his head that to honor her legacy, he needs to scatter her ashes at the Field Museum in Chicago. And they live in Boulder, uh, Colorado. And and uh, so the film is this road trip uh, of him going cross country um, and getting into and out of all these different situations and running into all these crazy characters along the way um, uh, on his journey to try to do this thing where he scatters her ashes. And I will hold back on anything more uh, so people don't get because that's part of the point. Obviously, the movie is less about the destination, and more about the journey. So a lot of it is ha- what happens along the way. Well, it's definitely a road trip. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Well, I, you know, there's so much to this movie. Um, first of all, I love your lead characters, David Sullivan and Marguerite Moreau and Javier Munez. Is that how you say it? They yeah. are so wonderful, all of them. Just yeah, the right. the chemistry between all of them, and uh, it, it just is. It's just a wonderful movie. <laughs> it really is. It's a. It reminded me a lot um, of other some other filmmakers. It was sort of like a Wes Anderson film in a way to me and a little bit Cohen Brothers. So if we can cross those two, I don't know if you yeah. you were going for that, but that's what you know, it came across yeah, I to mean, me. Those are both obviously huge insp- inf- inspirations for me um, in a lot of ways. And so I know th- those are two wonderful pulls. And I think those guys are definitely definitely in there. You know, we're pulling a lot from films from like the 60s and 70s, sort of early Spielberg um, and going for like a sort of older style of filmmaking that's a little bit more character focused. Um, and spending our time with these characters and spending the opportunity like on this journey with them, but doing it in like the sort of fun, grandiose, big picture action adventure sort of way. Um, and and so and so, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head though with with the inspiration point. Uh, Ted and or David Sullivan, Marguerite Moreau, and Javier are amazing in the film and wonderful to work with. And and honestly, took. Each one of them, you know, and this is I'm this is the guy I'm the person speaking right now who's the person who wrote it. And even right. like once I got to directing it and started working with the actors, I was like, Wow, these are hard parts because David has to do he has to do a lot of things believably. He has to be a convincing romantic lead, he has to be convincingly do drama, he has to convincingly do action, adventure, slapstick comedy, witty comedy. I mean he has to do everything and he does that all beautifully. Yes. Um Marguerite, I remember halfway through filming, she was just like we were just doing the work with each other and she's like jack my character's dead this entire movie like i have nothing to pull from like how do you how do you prepare for this character you know it's like i hadn't thought about that you know um but she does it with such grounding i mean it's so so great and javier's character is that could have gone in so many different directions and he's a big larger than life i mean his name is howell so like when you write a character whose name is a verb like what do you do with that and he just he he did it again like i said beautifully he just did a wonderful job with it he did 
so, say it again. So much pathos. Yes. Just, even though he's angry and fighting and masculine and overtly like alpha the entire time, there's a lot of sadness there too. 100%. And, and that could have been a role that was done over the top. You know, it could have gone, you know, in a whole different direction, more slapstick than it, you know, than it, than it did. And he did a wonderful job of, you know, exactly. It's a character that's larger than life, but he does it in a wonderful way. And you're right. There is a, there is that sadness underneath his character. No question about it. You know, question that yeah. comes through. And, and that's hard. That's hard to do when you're playing a character that is larger than life to also portray that layer of, you know, that there's some hurt and sadness underneath all of it. And, uh, you know, he did a really good job. They all did. I, I, I love David Sullivan. I mean, I'm just in love with him right now. <laughs> He's not a romantic leading man type of, you know, actor, but I'm just like, I was just, just thought he was absolutely adorable and, uh, and, and just fell in love with him. So yeah. good casting. So talk about, let's talk about that process. And Marguerite. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they played so well together in this film in all aspects, you know, portraying the marriage when it was, you know, breaking up and the problems they were having. And then, you know, the coming together and, um, just did it beautifully. They just, had this magic chemistry, which you hope that you you get. It's like you know, lightning in a bottle, right? Um, you hope well, you get it. Yeah, that you as never a know. I mean, you want to you want to cast. Partly, is that you want to cast the best actress for every role, and even if you do that, sometimes it just doesn't click. You know, and and that's just the nature of of the of the art form, and just the nature of how collaboration works. Sometimes for us, we we knew very much so that they needed to really click, and the, and I think part of what I need to give credit to to those three and the rest of the cast is that they really trusted me this is a really ambitious mm-hmm. film creatively and ambitious from a production standpoint and f- to get everyone on board to be like okay here here's this journey we're going to go on and they all said yes to it and so i really owe them a lot um and we, you know we had them all come out a couple days before because we filmed in chicago which is where i'm based out of and so uh david and marguerite came from la and uh javier came from um new york and so we spent you know and we did rehearsals and choreography and costume fitting all that sort of stuff you do during the prep period of time uh but it was also very important to us just to build rapport and to hang out and so um, we and we did that and by the end I mean we still I talked to Marguerite yesterday we were just chatting about random stuff sending voice memos back and forth Um, so that's the sort of beautiful thing that comes out of a collaboration is you end up meeting some friends for life but David and Marguerite, I think especially, because you know, like early in the film, as I said in the in the intro for those of you who haven't seen the film yet, like they are putting their marriage back together, which sort of means that like the couple of scenes that they have together, um, they're not it's not all never everything's not great. And so it's a challenge from a storytelling standpoint to have the audience connect with these people when it's not all just like we're in love with each other, everything's hunky dory. You're seeing two people who are sort of in a moment of crisis in their relationship. And then you also then need to sort of like want to root for them, even though they're sort of in a weird breaking up thing. So it, there's a lot, lot going on there. And, um, and so we needed them to really be believably in love with each other, which I think they did. They did well. Oh, they definitely did. And and how did you come up with the idea of olive juice? (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it's really iterative. I, I I really like to. It sort of started with a short story that my mother in law had written about a guy who loses his wife and scatters her ashes at a museum, and um, I really connected with it. And I started there, and then sort of went 
honestly just sort of went from there and used it as a way to talk about because I've dealt with um, loss and and when I was younger, uh, my mom and my brother passed away when I was in high school and college and never really dealt with it. You know, it's not some and that's part of the point of the movie. And that's one of the things is like you don't get past it. Like there's never a moment and movies a lot of times I think want to be like and then I moved on like I, I got over it and it's that's just not how it happens. And I'm, I'm where I'm at right now in my life and I'm in a good spot with it, but that's not to say that in five years it can hit me again in a way that I was completely unexpected for, you know? And so part of the movie is about exploring that and talking about how my experience with grief and loss and all that is it's nonlinear. It doesn't necessarily make emotional sense. Sometimes it's just, there's, sublime moments and there's sad moments and there's beautiful moments and there's silly moments and there's absurd absurdity. And that the, the idea of the film and using the structure for my mother-in-law's short story was that it allowed me to tell the story, a fairly linear story that has a clear beginning, middle and end, but do it in a way where I could approach it and sort of talk about all of these things. That's beautifully said. Thank you, Jack. Really, you're right. It you never when you have grief, you never know. You know, it can be years later. There'll be something, some reminder, and all of a sudden you'll just start crying, and you go, "Well, you know, what am I crying?" You know, but it's right. that memory, and um, it brings, and that's good. I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. when we stuff down those emotions and we don't, uh, you know, uh, allow grief uh, to go through that process of grieving, which a lot of people don't. You're right; they stuff it down and go, "Okay, I'm over that." And let's move on. And then it comes back and bites them in the butt, you know, other times. Well, absolutely. In their life. And I think that's a lot of times I think why you see movies that are so simple because they're just like they put them in a box of their own and it's like, okay, just go here when you want to feel sad and just watch this movie and feel sad about it. And and that's why this film is a bit more on the challenging side because it is doing all of these different things and allowing you to laugh. Because when you see monuments, you will laugh and you will yes. root, you'll yeah. get excited. Yeah. And, and then you'll also cry, but you might not cry. You know, it's not going to, it's going to, your cries are going to happen at different times than like, you know, than maybe what you think. And so I think it's a, it's a unique film in that regard because it's, I always say it's totally promiscuous. And like, I think I enjoy playing in that space. And I think anyone who watches it, you could have five people watch it and each person's going to get something slightly different from it. And that's, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I don't think everyone needs to watch, you know, look at the Mona Lisa. It's the most famous painting in the world. And every single person who sees it, sees something completely different. You know, I feel like cinema, a lot of the time it gets pushed towards like this movie was good or bad. It made you feel this or that. And this thing. And I think sometimes we get a little bit simplistic in how we even want to take in films. And so this is trying to challenge that a little bit. Yeah. I use, you know, I, I, I do movie reviews, uh, or I was doing movie reviews. And, uh, although when I studied film, um, learned then never read a review before you go see a movie I like to go in cold I like to not know sometimes I have no idea I like with the movies I watch for the show for the, for, sure. for this for the show uh, I don't like to read the press notes going in I just sort of like okay I'm just gonna watch this movie as it, on its own and then afterwards I'll read the press notes obviously to prepare for the uh, the interview but I, I've always that's been something I've done for years and years and years and years is just sometimes yeah. not know anything you know and just and I'll save the review sometimes to read afterwards to see well did that reviewer see the same thing I saw and sometimes they're just totally opposite you know and and, and I and, you know movies are uh, personal it's personal for all of us because again we're filtering through our own experiences and how we're feeling that particular day have you ever watched a movie you know maybe five years ago and then you decide oh I think I'll watch that movie again and your reaction to it five years later is completely different because you have five years of experience 
experiences that have taken yeah. you through. So it's, yeah, it's very uh, subjective, very subjective. You know? well, yeah. And I think from, from my point of view as a filmmaker, you know, and, and I don't write reviews obviously, but um, certainly read, read them or mm-hmm. um, have them, you know, at, directed towards you. And I think, you know, the, what you, as soon as you make something and it's done and like a film, it's gone, it's not yours anymore. Right. Like my, my interest in filmmaking is the process of making the film. It's not having it not, it's not necessarily having made a film. You know, I, I like the process of like the collaboration of telling a story about like, Hey, let's all do this thing together. Let's use it as an opportunity to talk about these things that we don't normally get to talk about in, in, in general conversation about grief, or if it's in another film I'm making just about, about that. Um, sometimes you do films in a little bit more of a craft based sort of exercise if it's a work for hire sort of thing and that's interesting in its own right as well but once you make it and you're like it's done you don't it's not yours anymore and then it becomes the interesting process of people watching it and taking it in and then pushing it putting back onto you like here's what i'm seeing which is all you're gonna have all the different things that come out of that people love it people hate it and this is just writ large you know not necessarily about this one but um that's the that's something that i always find to be interesting and i think that yeah i think what you said about going in not knowing anything is definitely i'm incredibly good at like my wife whenever we watch a movie she'll something will happen and she'll be like oh he's the killer or whatever like if you're watching one of those movies Mm because she's like well 15 minutes in the movie and he just did this thing that's super shady like of course he's the killer and i'm like how do you know i'm like so good at being dumb when i watch movies Um, and then at the end i'll be like i can't believe he was the killer she's like it was so obvious i was like wasn't obvious to me you know and she's like why why else do they cast jude law in this like walk on part here you know it's like it's not gonna be like he's probably coming back he's probably the killer but in the moment it's fun to just that's what movies are about and that's sort of the reason why this is why monuments took the form it did of like an action movie is that like that's i think not all movies need to be action movies, but it's what you can do in, in cinema is like it's movies are escape. They're fantasy, they're dreams, they're, they're dreamscapes. Um, you can do these things. And I think that's part of the reason why you go to the movies. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why is to go on, a, on an adventure. And sometimes that adventure is manifest like it is in monuments. Sometimes it's obviously, you know, you can have an adventure without leaving a room either but that's the interest yeah and and i, I always say a movie it should move you in some way so whether it was, if it's supposed to be a comedy you should laugh you know if it's a tearjerker you cry you know that it, it has some kind of emotional component um i hate it when you go to a movie and you go oh well that was okay and you walk out and you forgot the movie you know as soon as you leave the theater i mean i like it when you have, have a movie that stays with you and you think about it and and you know and you go oh i'd like to see that again because i'm sure there's other parts of that that i missed you know that yeah. i'd like to go back and look at and this film does have it it really monuments has a big movie feel to it and um as i always say and i just said it my last interview and i'll say it again movies should be seen in the movie theaters and this is one that should be seen in the movie theaters it's just got a beautiful uh scenery throughout the film uh you know it's 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 just got that big film feel to it yep. it's not it doesn't have a small feel to it you know and some of the times lots of times with independent films you know they feel like smaller independent films this does not this looks like a, a, a it, you know feels like a much bigger film so let's talk about that because you you know it is a road trip and you did have to go on the road so what was that like filming it on the road in all these different wonderful places i mean it was it was great you know we filmed most of it in chicago in the suburbs of chicago and then we moved the whole production to boulder colorado and filmed there and then we went away and edited for like six or seven months and then did some pickups where we drove again across country and so yeah we definitely got to see from from boulder to chicago and back again i got to see it Uh, i'm intimately familiar intimately familiar with the route 80 or whatever it is that goes the other way um 
Well, it's amazing. I mean, that you're right because we wanted to make it feel like a big movie, and I think there's a, the three ways in which we're doing it in this film is like location selection. So, like just picking the right locations for this that are doing a lot of a lot of heavy lifting for us, whether it's like the Field Museum or that abandoned drive-in movie theater, which is just like this incredible relic from like a different age. It feels like, especially now, um, or the mountains of Boulder. Like just trying to find these amazing locations that just speak themselves and then stephanie's uh cinematography of it of just capturing that in all of its grandeur uh and and the very good work that matt highland did as production design to try to take these natural the occurring elements and like zhuzh them you know the when we filmed the the scene at the well like we built that well actually which is crazy because someone like had to like build a well and we had to dig a hole and all that and um but part of what was so magical there and this is one of those happy accidents that happens when filming is that we were in that forest during like the one week of the leaves changing and so we didn't like mm. change those leaves in post using color correction like those were just that insane color of yellow wow and and that was and that sort of sums up the whole experience to answer your question of just all, finding all these incredible locations and then finding out how to photograph them in in the best way possible um and so it was just great fun and like you know i've done a lot of travel and open tables there's a sequence that happens in paris which is a film i did uh five years ago you know, I got a documentary that I'm working on in Haiti. And so I, I really like travel period. And I like the idea of travel with, with films. Um, so that's that. And I said, there was three ways of doing grandeur. One was locations. One was cinematography. And the third one was the music. I think, I, I was because we're pulling, yeah, because we pull so heavily from films from, so like from people listening, it's like, okay, you're an independent filmmaker. You're trying to figure out how to make a big, a big movie, but you don't have, you know, Scarlett Johansson, you don't have explosions, you don't have some of these things, you're not telling a superhero movie, like, what do you do? And if you look back to films from the, from the, honestly, from the beginning of cinema through, like, you know, the 80s, the, a lot of the way in which they're doing it is through just, like, a really big, juicy score. And so, mm-hmm. when I was working with my composer, uh, Nick, his uh, moniker is Takanobu, is what he goes by, if people want to find him. Um, I was like, this is what I want to go for. Like, I think if we don't nail the music, like it's going to, it's going to feel small. Right. And, um, and so we worked really hard to get this really big, like monumental <laughs> uh, sad trombone. Sorry. I had to say it. You had to. Uh, <laughs> monumental sort of sound in the film. And, and I love what he did. I mean, it's such a cool, it's a good catchy sort of theme song. Um, and he's able to do the, like the real tender moments really, really well too, which is hard. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about the music, so you just jumped right into it because the music is such an integral part of this film, definitely. And I love, you know, I'm, well, I've said this over and over in the show too, but I'm a credit watcher. I've been watching credits since I was a kid. I believe a movie's not over until the credits are all done, whether, you know, I know any of those people or not. I feel like I owe it to them to watch, you know, but you, and I agree. I love watching the credits. Me too. And, and you learn a lot because you learn, okay, where did they film this? You thought it was filmed, you know, in, uh, Wyoming, and actually, it was filmed in you know uh, I don't know Arizona. <laughs> so, you, and that's always interesting too to find out where they film it. But I love it when um, when when directors put like little fun pieces in their credits. Not everybody does, but you did. And yeah. I thought, I, and I really enjoyed that. So I did want to tell you that some, I did watch the credits, and I did appreciate all those little things that you put in in the credits. Yeah. I love, we always watch the credits, um, for even before like the Marvel movies started putting them up and like and, right. and putting the thing at the end, like always, just because it's the movie's not over. And I remember I during a pandemic, during pandemic, one of the things that my wife and I did to get through the pandemic was we just watched a ton of uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musicals. <sighs> yes. Love them. Amazing. <laughs> Me too. 
Um, but now it's like whenever we watch an opening uh, um, uh, credits to some of these movies, we're like, did did Irene do the gowns? Because it was always gowns by Irene, and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the days of a credit where it's like gowns by a one named person. Like I don't. I would love to make a film where I can have a credit in there. It's like gowns by Jeff or something. Like that or something. <laughs> like, gowns by who did the gowns? Um, but yeah, so I was actually that ends credits thing. So the opening credits. I was always designed, was always going to be that way. That was just the sort of idea of playing with um, really big, again, like setting up these vistas, the whole music thing. Like that was pretty, pretty much storyboarded and like knew exactly what this was going to be. The big font, the sort of big, everything's monumental. Just yes. Big, big, big. Yeah. And then for the end of the film, I was just, honestly, I was, so the film, when we were doing the post on the film, the editor, David was living in LA at the time, but he moved into my house for like six months and edited that. And then after a certain period of time, he's like, my, my girlfriend, you know, wants to see me. Can I go back to LA? And I was like, I suppose. So he flew back to LA and we had to finish the film with me going out there. And so I was on a flight to um, LA and uh, to work on the film near the end of the process and someone like two rows up and one over was watching Crazy Rich Asians and they finished the film and if you know the credits of that film or if you've seen that film it has a very like colorful, fun, exciting end credit sequence. Now, so I'm two rows and a half back not watching a movie watching this person watching Crazy Rich Asians so I don't know the music that's happening. I didn't watch the movie that, at that time um, but I was just looking at it aesthetically it's like that's really fun and like and that's something like a big studio movie would do like and they did because mm-hmm. it's in crazy right. and i was like why can't we do that like why who's to say like an independent sort of smaller film that has this sort of energy why can't we do that and so i sort of pitched it around to the rest of the team and everyone was like that sounds great and we'd had all this um art created actually for the swag for the crew we had uh the the art uh direct are the art director's wife is a graphic designer and she made these like cool little iconography of all the different things in the film and uh we gave it away in little tote bags and i was like what if we took that and sort of found a way to integrate it in and um and sort of went from there and it is it's a lot of fun i think it's a nice because the movie ends on a you know the movies ultimately if you have to categorize it as something it is a comedy like it Mm -hmm. ends on an upswing it's not a tragedy no even though it deals with sad things right and so the film ends on on an upswing like he's gone through some stuff and now he's he's gonna be okay you feel at the end of the movie that he's gonna be okay right. i hope i'm not ruining this movie um no, no. i, I like the idea of like you could just cut to black and it's like you know, or you can sort of reinforce this idea it's like hey you know it's okay like we're we're all gonna die we're all we all gotta live you know we're gonna get through it exactly i have about a minute but i okay. really since you brought up fred astaire and ginger rogers let's talk about the dance sequence because that was amazing and I really want to talk about that. And as I said, I have about a minute. And then I also want to tell people where they can see this movie. So you can yeah, put so those the dance together. Sequence, Go ahead. Yeah, the dance sequence was uh, always designed in there. It was a song that my my dad was significantly older when he had me. And so he actually grew up listening to Spike Jones. And so I just had, I've known that song since I was like a kid. I was going to ask you how you chose that, why you chose that 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 particular song. So now you've it, answered that. So. It's everything, it's the whole movie in, in distillation because it's yeah. a known song that is it's sort of sappy and, and sort of you know saccharine and then it has this like, insane twist on it and that's this movie because it's like right. we're dealing with serious stuff we're having serious conversations but we can do it in a way where it sort of goes crazy bonkers for a second and so that in a lot of ways that's why that's that scene is the heart of the whole mm-hmm. of the whole thing mm-hmm. um 
And if people want to watch the film, it's now available. Well, I guess I don't know when you're releasing it, but on August 3rd, um, it's available. So you can pre-order it now on iTunes or Amazon. And then starting on August 3rd, you can watch it whenever you'd like. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad. And people really go find monuments. It's it's just, it, it's a really uh, wonderful film. You, it's, it's different. It's quirky. It's unusual. Uh, that dancing I just loved. Um, and there's so much about it. I just loved every minute of it. And so thank you, Jack for being on the show. I look forward to having you back on the show. So I can't wait to be back and I hope people do watch it and I do think this is going to be a film that is going to stick with them You know, when it, they're not going to finish the movie and be like, oh, that's okay. I think they're going to definitely have uh, some lingering thoughts. I so. agree, 100%. 100%. So thank you. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can get find all of the archive shows on the com. You can also find us on iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, anywhere that you get your podcast, you can find us. We are there. Also, go to my YouTube channel, The Jam Price Show, and uh, like us and subscribe to us, too, there. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies. 